Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello and welcome, everybody. This is Sandy, and I am the founder and the chief love officer at LastFirstDate.com. I want to thank you all for joining us today here at Last First Date Radio. And you're going to be hearing a courageous conversation about achieving healthy off-the-charts love in the second half of life. My special guest today is Lisa Schmidt. She's a certified dating coach, and she's going to be talking with me about the number one reason why successful, strong women are still single today. I wonder if you can guess what that is. I, as as a dating coach myself, I love helping women date as the high-value person that they are in every other part of their lives because when you know your true worth, you attract your most aligned, best partner. And most women who come to me for support are amazing mothers. If, they're, if they are moms, they are successful in the workforce, but they have challenges when it comes to romantic relationships. And one of the mistakes that I notice over and over again is that Women often date with the same energy that they bring to work. And we're going to probably be talking a little bit about this today. They bring that competition and that sense of one-upsmanship, which, you know, I was a person who used to love witty banter and sarcasm, and I was harsh. Um, I was told much later on by somebody I had a major crush on that the reason he didn't date me is because I was harsh. Um, I had a harsh exterior, and that kept me separate from the men that I liked. So I can't wait to talk to Lisa more about this. And um, so I, what I've done is I've taken the top three mistakes that I see women and men making over and over again in their dating life, and I've compiled a free guide to help you to, if you are making those mistakes, uh, to undo them, to take actionable steps to actually undo the mistakes that you might be making that are sabotaging your love life so that you can go on your last first date. And so if you would like a copy, you go to lastfirstdate.com, my website. It's pretty much on every page. Um, There's a place to sign up for my free guide, and I would just love if you could do that. Let me introduce my guest, Lisa Schmidt. She is a certified dating coach and a regular contributor for Singles Warehouse Dating Group, the Huffington Post, and Elite Daily. She helps both men and women who feel lost in dating, and she helps them to do something about it. So a lot of people get lost, they get stuck, but they don't do anything. She helps people figure out what's holding you back and helps you move forward without obstacles, doubt, or a mindset of fear. You will be the person you want to date and know how to attract and sustain the relationship that you desire with Lisa Schmidt. And so here we here we go. Hey Lisa. Hi Sandy. Hi. So Lisa, we're talking about <clears throat> femininity and women who are successful out there, smart and successful. Why are they still single? What do you think? You know, this is like my favorite topic, and I really could talk for like an hour on it, because it is this huge mishmash of 
what we are born with, what is in our DNA, what we are really meant to do and be as far as relationships. And it gets all messed up by how we're socialized and and other women that we hang out with, other women that we talk to, because we are not supposed to be, and I don't like to use the word supposed, but um, we're not men. And, you know, there's this constant influx of information for women that, you know, tells you, you know, you have to beat down every door, you have to push through every glass ceiling, you got to think like a man, you got to act like a man, you have to talk like a man, and now you have to date like one, too. Well, as I tell women, a man that wants to date another man is not a heterosexual man. <laughs> so, okay. um, right, so if you want a healthy heterosexual relationship, if you're a woman that wants to date another man, you have to embrace your femininity, submit to the notion that being more feminine is not literally submitting to a man. You know, there's ways to do it. You have to allow that feminine energy to be a part of your life, and sometimes you need to check it at the door. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, <laughs> So a lot of women get angry when they hear things like this. And um, my friend Bobby Palmer, I, who I just spent the weekend with, she she was talking about this out loud, about how the feminine movement screwed women up for dating. Because it did. Right. So so many people are afraid to say that. And you know, and me. and we need to qualify it because I think a lot of women think, well, we should not. We should go back to you know, leave it to Beaver and and have, you know, June Cleaver with the apron on waiting for her husband to come home. And that's not at all what is meant by that statement. So you tell us what is meant by how the feminine You know what the funny thing is? Is I actually wrote an article about this for the Huffington Post, and it's called Femininity and the Modern Woman, Date, and the Modern Woman Dater. And even some feminists, modern feminists, have come out to say, like, you guys screwed us and but here's the thing you know modern women when you know what's going on right now is you know you have all these little memes of Marilyn Monroe with all these quotes and you know how to be powerful and you know I don't know like I could go on and on but yeah we can have it all we you know we can do all of these things and we can do it all with a baby on our hip and a cell phone glued to our ear but we can't do it with the attitude of men have kept us down, right, and constantly giving the middle finger to men because that is basically sexism in and of itself, right? So we want to fight against sexism with sexism? No, that doesn't work. So, you know, all of the movements that have happened for us, for women, everything from voting to Rosie the Riveter, you know, Jane Fonda, all these things, they tell you, you know, how to be this powerful woman, but nobody says to you, yeah, but it's not going to be easy, and you have to not completely reject your femininity, be a little more soft than you are hard. Submission, it's not forfeit. It's just an exchange of power. You're exchanging power for love, you know, and none of these women will tell you, date your husband continue to date him, you know, continue to have sex with him, continue to take pride in who you are, what you look like, continue to keep that attraction going. Um, 
you know, and not be solely concerned with what your power is. Because when you create a power struggle in any situation, especially a relationship, someone is always going to feel less than. And in situations where women create a power struggle and they make men feel emasculated, then now they start to think, like, what did I get into here? And that is when they start to seek other things outside of the marriage on occasion, or then, you know, they start to sort of fight back and then it becomes this power struggle on both sides. And, um, you know, we don't have to compete with them. That's what they have buddies and careers for. And once in a while, we just got to let them be the hero. We got to let them do things for us. And it's as simple as, you know, letting a man pull out a chair, open a door, hold your coat for you, asking for his opinion or his advice. I mean, that shows so much respect. And, you know, you don't have to get down on your hands and knees and submit to this man, but part of you needs to allow that femininity to come out and submit. There's no other words that I can use, and I'm not saying kowtow, but submit. Like, let go of the notion that it's some kind of, like, forfeit and you're giving up. I mean, that's just crazy. Yeah, I I love what you say about power, and I've talked about this a lot, too, that it, that an ideal relationship you're powering with somebody, not over under. Mm-hmm. And I think that people don't really get that, you know, often. And and I think that the whole idea of emasculation, that was a new concept to me when I started dating again after my divorce. And I realized that many of the things I had done were potentially emasculating. And I think if we can't take a good look at what we're doing, and it's often subconscious, that we're wondering why we keep getting the same results. So why are you dating the same man with a different face over and over? Or what a lot of women say, especially women who are over 40, is that I feel like his mom. You know, I don't want to be a mommy. But what happens is you've set it up. You know, you've often set it up, but you're giving him advice. You're not trusting that he can do things for himself. So then you get frustrated and do it for him, which is emasculating. Right? So... That's that's the kind of thing that we're talking about here. It's it's that if you want a different result, look at yourself and what you're putting out there. And this goes for people who are married too. I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't doesn't just mean for people dating. Um, so so you've talked about a little bit about femininity and what it means to have that feminine energy. So some of it is allowing a man to show up and be a man um, and do what men feel is masculine, right? So by being chivalrous. Um, by being asked to give an opinion, that really makes a man feel ma- more masculine. Um, yes. It doesn't mean you don't have an opinion, right? It just mm-hmm. means that you value his too. Um, and so what what about things like women offering to pay? And this is this is a huge area of conflict for women. They say, well, I have the money. You know, I'm I earn a lot of money. Why would I want a man to pay for me? I actually had a woman not hire me because I wouldn't let her pay on a date. <laughs> and she said, "Well, then I can't work with you because I, I totally disagree with you." Um, well, here's tell the me thing how you know about that. <laughs> you know, courtship, modern courtship is so mm-hmm. flawed and it's so screwed up right now and you know, women again, you know, we're clinging to this notion that, you know, I can do for myself. I don't need a man to do for me. Okay, that's great. You should not give yourself over completely to somebody and lose sight of who you are. But in the beginning, part of allowing that femininity is allowing him to pay for the dates. 
And if there's any men listening, you should be planning the date. You know, <laughs> I, this is like, that is a complete, that's a masculine move. You know, you mean you want to, um, that's great. We're going to meet at seven. Um, I hope you like Italian. I'm going to take you to Luigi's. It's my favorite place. I'll see you at seven. So bam, mm-hmm. the, then you, you take away all the, the crap of the conversation of, do you like Chinese? No, I like sushi. No, you, you know, <laughs> stop all of that. Um, that you like, pick a place. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. the man should be stepping into that masculine power and planning the date. The woman should, you know, be allowing him to plan the date. Um, and I know that right now sometimes people are kind of like, you know, they go that back and forth with it. And that's, you know, that's fine. I mean, you can't really tell somebody what to do in that sense. But on the first couple of dates, let him pay. What is the mm-hmm. harm in letting him buy you a cup of coffee or lunch or dinner? Because that is him expressing interest. And this is what women lose sight of. When he plans a date, when he pays for the date and then asks for another date and pays for that second date, he is continuing to choose you. Not just once, but two times, but three times. He is making a conscious choice to invest in you. So why would you see it as anything else other than an investment in moving this relationship forward? When you start to hit those third and fourth date, fourth dates, there's no reason that you can't pony up for a couple of drinks at the bar or offer to pay for the dinner, um, you know, maybe pay for the activity that you're doing after the dinner or before or whatever it is. You know, you, you, take, you take care of the Uber and drinks and dessert, whatever. You know, um, because in the beginning, when you, again, you're creating a struggle, a power struggle, and you have to remember what it is that you love about being a woman. You know, what is that tangible thing that produces that emotion? And you got to get in touch with that. And for some women, it's about getting back in touch with it and really embracing what it feels like to be a woman in general, right? And, um, you know, so when you're out on these dates, you know, is he pulling out the chair? Is he opening the door? Is he opening the car door? Is he doing the, you know, masculine move of hand on the back or the back of the arm to sort of lead you? So let him lead you. Let him just give him that. Just let him have it. Mhm. So women really struggle with this, and then they complain that men are too weak. You know, but it's like this double standard. You want a man mm-hmm. to take charge, but you haven't allowed it. And so, you know, yep. you and I have talked about the allowing. It's, you know, the way I see it also is that if you don't create space for something, it doesn't show up. So if you're Absolutely. always pushing forward, right? Um, I remember there was this, somebody had taught me this kind of mythological way of looking at how the world was created Um and and they use this as like a Kabbalistic thing where they say that, that God created space for the world by contracting himself. And, mm-hmm. you know, whether you believe in God or not, I just love that concept of God took up all this space, but he contracted himself to allow this amazing world to come forth. So, you know, I, I just think that's kind of how I view relationships, that we are full, we are whole. And when we contract ourselves a little bit to allow in, a man feels welcomed rather than your time slotting him in. You don't really have the time. You don't really want him to pay. You don't really want him to be a man. So why show up at all? Well, and I think what happens a lot of times, too, is 
the, the thing that women, and I think sometimes men forget to do a little bit too, is to sort of let that mystery unfold and be the present that you are and let somebody slowly unwrap that to get to that mm-hmm. gift inside, right? And sometimes as women, because we're told to be a little bit more forceful and get what you want, you know, ask for what you want, sometimes we forget that it's just as important to shut up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's so funny because people are like, they get really shocked when I say that. And I'm like, sometimes you have to shut up. Seriously, like, just be quiet. You know, um, <clears throat> let somebody else talk for a minute, right? And, you know, in women, I think a lot of times when you're talking about that whole push-pull of, you know, they want a man to be a certain thing, but then he's, he's not living up in another aspect, right? So then there's this push-pull with him and a power struggle. So, you know, they don't know how to just chill out and sort of let mm-hmm. things casually unfold. And what women don't understand about men, because I work with a lot of men, men and women live in two different maybes. The maybe part of the beginning of the relationship, the maybes that he's asking himself, like these, these what ifs or what you could be, are completely different than the ones that you're thinking in your head. So mm-hmm. when you live in two different maybes and you're not really cognizant of how the other side sort of like thinks or is hardwired or how in general what their sort of preferred method of communication is and then what that person does on an individual level your maybe takes over and this is why women come across as needy and pushy and bitchy in some senses right because they don't they don't know what the other maybe is they don't even think about what the other maybe is they're just in their maybe and a little checklist is okay. going off in their head Right. Yeah, so, what's the, what's the maybe that you're talking about? Because I mean, I'm I'm thinking in my head some things that I want to hear from you. What? So, like in a woman's head, maybe maybe what? So, like maybe this guy is going to be my husband. Maybe this guy is going to ask me to marry him in six months. Maybe this guy, you know, maybe. maybe but all the maybes of like fairy tale, prince charming kind of stuff. Um, you know. And the maybes that the guy lives in is kind of like, yeah, maybe this girl's cool. This is cool. Maybe I'm going to ask her out again on Saturday. Maybe if she sticks around, I might think about taking her to my cousin's wedding in a couple of weeks. You know, hey, maybe she'd be cool to hang out with the game on Sunday. Like, very casual. There's no, like, maybe this is my wife. Maybe this Mm -hmm. is who I want to have kids with. No, not like in the beginning. You know, those could be sort of like fleeting thoughts, but they're not predominant thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it's like maybe she's not crazy like the rest of them, and, and maybe I, this is one I want to kind of take my time with. And when he takes his time with you, he's very interested. Right. You know, because, and that should, you know, that should just be unsaid. But, but you know, women, it's just like, the maybe is all part of that checklist. Like, you know, okay, maybe this guy is going to, like, eventually get me to that zip code I want to live in, and maybe he is going to make that six figures, and maybe he is going to drive that car that I want him to drive, and, you know, maybe he is going to be, like, this great dad that I've, you know, been dreaming of for 30 years, you know. Um, And subconsciously, when you think all these thoughts, it comes out in how you speak, how you act, your nonverbal communication, you know, i.e. your body language, um, how you ask questions, how you don't shut up, um, and all of Mm -hmm. these things. 
And then all of a sudden he goes, whoa, your baby's a little crazy for me. And he's right. like, I'm going to go find me. A, I'm going to go find it. I'm going to go find a new baby. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I like the maybes. That's cool. I, I, my friend Bobby Palmer says, date to discover, not to decide. And that's Absolutely. what they do. They, yeah, decide. Let me decide. Oh, is he, you know, is he, does he have potential to be my husband or my long-term partner? And if he doesn't, you know, the clock is ticking. Sorry, go on to the next or project. And then they start pushing, um, which turns a man off. And often if they just stop and, you know, let it unfold. But also, you know, there's something about this mystery unfolding, which both men and women do. And I think things change a little in midlife where um, I've seen a lot of men do a lot of these women behaviors, <laughs> these so-called women behaviors um, with mm-hmm. me on a date. So, you know, they're they're rushing. I had a guy on the second date told me I was the one, um, you know, planning dates that were ridiculous before we knew each other like one guy Eek. wanted to take me on a yacht yeah like cater a yacht for our first date um and his friends told him um no don't do that so um it's just like stuff like that that's scary yeah it comes across as needy and and we don't want to date needy people um you know but but the the um the mystery part i think you know people telling the whole story, you know, you need to know all of these things about me. You need to know that, you know, that I have diabetes and that, my, you know, I'm a survivor of breast cancer and, you know, that my parents were dysfunctional. I have, a eating, I have an eating disorder too, by the way. And, you know, all those things are fine if you get to know somebody really well and fall in love mm-hmm. with them. And I was sitting next to somebody uh, over the weekend on this retreat I was on and she said, do you think a man will date me? I'm a breast cancer survivor and I had a mastectomy. Do you think a man will want to date me? Which is a good question, but it has nothing to do with her as a person. And Absolutely. I, I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't take your shirt off on the first date at the restaurant. <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> what I told her is, you know, get to know a man. And when you're ready to take your shirt off and, you, you know, and he has embraced all of you, then a good guy is going to embrace all of you. You know, that's that's really, you know, we're not perfect. Um, but it's don't unfold all of that in five seconds. It's No one can well, handle what, it. What's interesting about the statement that she made, um, and God bless her for, you know, surviving that, when yeah. we think, when we think and when we speak out loud from a place of lack, we verbally out out loud devalue who we are and subconsciously when we think about that and when we say it enough we start to retrain our brain that we are of less value because we are Mm -hmm. missing two breaths right so you know now you're out there that is part of your nonverbal communication now that is part of you know, this these subconscious things that you're carrying around on dates and when you're meeting people and when you're looking at profiles online. So, you know, it's interesting to me when anybody asks me about what I do and, you know, how the process works and, you know, where do we start? Well, we always start with you. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, you have to be the person that you want to date. You have to have <clears throat> your baggage in order you have to. I have to understand what your mindset is toward dating, toward the opposite sex or the same sex, if that's your choice. Um, mm-hmm. 
And you need to come in self-aware and understanding what your value is and placing it, not that you're above someone, but placing a higher value on who you are as a human being. This has nothing to do with what you look like or how big your boobs are or whether or not you have them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think if, if we as people just did that in regular life, not just in yep. dating, there would be a huge, there would just be a difference in the way people treat each other or, and treat themselves. Negative self-talk is probably the biggest problem for most people, you know, by far. Amen. <laughs> I so totally agree with that. I mean, just, it's, you know, and what changes, what shifts when you believe in yourself is everything. It's it's your value at work. It's your relationships with your friends. And you see this global shift. And people often say to me, oh, my God, you're not just a dating coach. You know, you really helped me with my whole life. Well, yeah, that's that's the perp- that's the purpose of the work that we do. It's, Absolutely. it's a better dater is a better person. And right, so it always has to start from within. So so let's talk a little bit about um red flags cuz um I had a client this morning who she's, you know, keeps pointing to the positives and ignoring the red flags. Like she so she made a list. And and she's afraid to to totally cut things off because there's so many nice things. And I said to her what if you had a friend who was just, you know, a really nice person who just, she was really successful at work and, um, you know, she baked really good chocolate chip cookies and she brought them to you when you were sick, but she talked shit behind your back and, you know, and she did a few things yeah. like that. You know, would those cookies taste really good? Would you keep her around for the chocolate chip cookies? I mean, you know, we do that with men all the time and, and I, men yeah. do that with women too. So, um yeah, so what's your opinion on why women do ignore those red flags? It Again, it, it comes from a place of lack, and it's like you hear so many people say, like, oh, I don't want to go on another first date. I don't want to start over. You know, and it, it always reminds me of that episode of Sex and the City in, in Charlotte. Like, I've been dating for, like, 15 years. When is he coming, you know? <laughs> right, um, right. When you get to the point of desperation and you allow temporary and okay for now relationships into your life, that is why you continue to ignore red flags because you're like, eh, it's okay. Um, he was kind of a jerk to the to the waitress at the restaurant, um, but I'm sure he's not like that to everybody. No. Mm-hmm. I, I tell people all the time, you're, you're not going to meet somebody's mother for probably 60 or 90 days, so don't worry about how he treats his mom. Worry about how he treats servers. Worry about how he treats people in party stores. Worry about how he treats people, you know, service people in general. Look at those kinds of things about how they treat other people. Those are red flags that people always miss. Oh, he was just having a bad day. It doesn't give you the right to demean another human being, you know. So, but again, stop being caught up in the maybe. Stop idealizing who he could be. You have to look at who he is, not who he isn't. Right? Mm. So, mm-hmm. um, and part of that, too, is you taking that little bit of a step back, actually having things going on in your own life, not trying to, you know, stake some claim on somebody very, very quickly, and, you know, trying to smother him with your time and affection, which just translates as needy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, look at those, first of all, look at those behaviors. When you give yourself that chance to step back, then you'll notice, you know, 
does he hoard his time and use that kind of as a weapon? That's a red flag. Does he cancel things last minute and then there's always an apology and then a reschedule? You know, um, there's always an excuse. There's always a reason. There's always a crisis. Those are red flags. People that want to be in a relationship with someone else, they're on point. There's no reason. There's no excuse. You know, they're not going to take a step back and allow somebody to come in and take, you know, sort of pick up where they left off. They don't want to lose an amazing woman because they didn't step up. Yeah. Right? So it's, you know, basically at the end of the day, actions have to create patterns. And when those patterns and actions match what somebody is saying, there you go. Green light, green flags. Yep, I so agree. And and people make excuses, you know. Oh, it's not a big deal, like you said. He's having a bad day. Oh, that's, you know. But he didn't he didn't say anything bad to me today. Um, you know. Well, so, here's the yeah, thing. we have to Whoever yeah. you choose to date, marry, cohabitate with, whatever. This is the best way I tell people all the time. They, just as your children would be, they are <clears throat> a reflection of who you are, your choices, the choices you make. So when they go out in the world, they're a representation of you, whether you choose to believe that or not. So if you choose somebody who treats people poorly, you look like an idiot. Because somebody's got to think like, wow, you think that that's acceptable? You don't make very good choices. (laughs) You know what I mean? So... Mm -hmm. Just as you wouldn't want a child you were raising to go out in the world and be very, very rude to people because you would feel embarrassed. Like, that's a part of you. Someone you choose to be in a relationship with you, that's a part of you, too. You didn't give birth to this person, but you chose to allow them into your life. So when they're out in the world, they are a representation of you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I mean, and I think people don't look, they don't take a step back enough. You know, when you're in it, it's very hard to see. And also when you have sex, it's even harder to see. So that's um, that's also part of the issue, which is a whole other discussion. But, yeah. Um, yeah, we could talk for another five hours, but unfortunately this this show is coming to an end, and this has been fantastic. Thank you so much, yes. Lisa. And uh, My tell pleasure. People how, tell, tell everyone how they can reach you. You can find me, um, my website is Detroit, just like the city Detroit, datecoach, all one word, dot com. You can find me on Twitter at Detroit Date or at the Lisa Schmidt. I actually have two different Twitter accounts. On Facebook, um, facebook.com slash the Lisa Schmidt. And if you ever want to catch a live stream, I'm on Periscope as well. But you can get yeah. all that information right on the website. Lots of freebies and all kinds of good stuff. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again for coming on and sharing some of your wisdom about why successful women are single. I hope people really take this advice to heart because it's good advice. Um, I definitely stand behind it. And I want to thank everyone for listening in today, and I hope you all go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day.